Hi, I'm Jennifer Z, and welcome to the Jennifer Z Plant-Based and Happy Podcast. Here's what you can expect from listening to Jennifer Z Plant-Based and Happy. My true passion is all about helping educate you, the listener, on food, fitness, and wellness. I educate through my own story and experiences on a multitude of topics, including inflammatory conditions, women's health, plant-based nutrition, fitness, and mindfulness. It's designed to teach you how you can become your most powerful self every single day. From interviews with today's top health, fitness, wellness, and spiritual experts, this podcast is a fun and happy atmosphere. So sit back and enjoy some of the amazing interviews that I have with experts and people who have completely transformed their lives through plant-based nutrition, fitness, and wellness. And if you love this podcast and would love to see it grow with even more incredible episodes, you now have the opportunity to support the Jennifer Z podcast by visiting jenniferz.com forward slash podcast. That's J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R-Z-E-E.com forward slash P-O-D-C-A-S-T. This helps me amp up the podcast finding more incredible guests while increasing the number of episodes being published. Thank you so much for listening and supporting the Jennifer Z community. Today on the Jennifer Z plant-based and happy podcast, I have Shell Hamilton, who is a certified clinical hypnotherapist, has been in practice for over a decade, and has over 20 years experience working with addicts and alcoholics. Shell has helped thousands of people let go of old habits and thought patterns and redesign their lives for more joy, freedom, and confidence. Through her guided meditation podcast, Meditation Minis, with over 12 million downloads, me included, she has helped people create calmer, clearer, happier lives. Her mission is to be an agent of powerful positive change for the planet, and her passion is to that light that sparks in people's eyes when that change occurs. Shell Hamilton, welcome to the Jennifer Z podcast, and thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Jennifer. I am honored to be here. And I have to say that finding your Meditation Minis podcast has been life-changing for me. I'm a busy person. I have a short attention span, uh, and these meditations are just so perfect. So can I ask you, what led you to wanting to create these short but incredibly powerful episodes? Well, yeah. I mean, I wanted to create a show that I could listen to. Like you, I'm super busy. My head goes a million miles a minute. I do have ADD. Um, I've suffered in the past with panic attacks and generalized anxiety and some depression thrown in there, you know, because that's fun to have in the mix. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) And the idea of sitting down and committing to 20 minutes to listen to something was overwhelming for me, Mm. even though I had done a quote unquote proper Buddhist meditation practice for about two years. Um, This was coming then about five years after that. And I, I couldn't even imagine sitting down for an hour 
I couldn't even imagine sitting down for 20 minutes. So I wanted to make something that was a no brainer that people could listen to that could be very effective in getting you into that relaxation response, chilled out. My dog is barking. That's okay. One of, one of, one of mine may start too. <laughs> Um, so they, yeah, just getting chilled out and yes. doing it in a very quick way. Oh, absolutely. You know what? I, like I said, they have been life-changing for me. It's just one of those things where I don't think a lot of people have all that time, you know, like the thought of spending 20, even 20 minutes to a half an hour to try to, you know, uh, get into touch with um, just sort of relaxing at first is that, that derives anxiety from me. Yeah. There's nothing like trying to get relaxed and being like concerned about how you're getting relaxed and getting anxiety over getting relaxed. Absolutely. That's the thing. I think a lot of people, especially women who are entrepreneurs or working in the corporate world, um, you know, I've done both. So I sort of know both sides of that. I find that they're also looking for something that is powerful and it impacts them, but it doesn't take a half a day to be able to do. And also that you don't feel like, you know, am I doing this wrong? Or you start, thoughts start creeping in and that's exactly kind of like what you're working not towards, but you're sort of trying to work out of your practice mm -hmm. or at yeah, least observe, sure. or at least observe your thoughts without thinking like, am I doing this right? <laughs> yes, that is key. I think learning to observe, not just when you're sitting and say doing a guided meditation, or if you're doing a silent meditation practice, but in your normal day to day, you know, that's what they talk about when they talk about mindfulness. Mindfulness is such a buzzword lately. Mindfulness. Well, it's to notice what you're thinking, to notice what you're feeling, and to also have the awareness that you don't have to actually act on either one of them. And those thoughts and feelings aren't actually you. Mm. It's like, I mean, there's a lot of different ways that you could make the metaphor, but it's like you are the sieve through which, or the colander through which the water, the thoughts and the feelings are falling through. Absolutely. And I mean, but there's also an art to what you do. You know, like you have this amazing voice. It's very trance-like. And I know you have a background in hypnotherapy. What led you to wanting to take that path? Hmm. So I love this question because, um, and, and I get asked it often and every time I love it, my path has been the path of what? <laughs> like, like <laughs> pure resistance and just like, wh what? No, no, that's not happening. Um, hypnosis was like that. I thought that hypnosis was bullshit. I thought it was just uh -huh. something that my, my candles and sandals LA friends would fall for. Yes. Um, I was a practical Midwestern girl. I don't fall for that stuff. Um, but it kept coming up, it kept coming up, it kept coming up. And then I realized I was being 
the jerk who was pretending to have an opinion about something that I actually had no experience doing. Right. Right. You know, we just, we make up opinions all the time about things that we literally have no experience with. I think also there's an element of a little bit of fear too, of the unknown. For sure. Right. For sure. Because anytime you have that kind of resistance, it's always a resistance to a new perceived identity. Right. Mm-hmm. But so when you got into it, were you still like in the beginning stages, were you still kind of thinking, you know, like, what, what am I doing here? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was super skeptical, but I realized that I was being the jerk. And so I decided there was a school of hypnotherapy, like the first nationally accredited college, of course, was in Los Angeles. Of course. And <laughs> yeah, of course, that's where it is. And so I signed up for their, they had like a free one month course where you went a couple times a week. And I thought, oh, I'll do that. It'll take me some time. It won't cost me anything but time, really. Mm-hmm. And um, I did have to ask my, my son's uh, father's parents to babysit. So it did cost me a little pride also. <laughs> yes. I was like, yeah, you know, in the big picture, that's not much cost. So I went and I was very, very, very skeptical about this whole hypnotherapy thing. My grandmother was a lawyer in the 40s. So I come from like this matriarchal line of you got to prove it. Yes. And it got proven to me. It's the most amazing way that I have seen change happen. In fact, I, not immediately, I stayed skeptical for like the first three weeks. Um, as I warmed to this idea. And then what I realized was like, why aren't more people using this modality? Because it actually is life altering and in a short number of sessions. So cut to 10 years later, um, almost 10 years later, it was actually eight years. I started the podcast in February of 2015. The same resistance. Friends are telling me, you know, you should really do a meditation podcast. You've got a great voice for that. It's a lot yes. like hypnotherapy. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I F-bomb. I drink red wine. <laughs> I'm not your guru. I'm not going to be like that. It was the same exact resistance. So finally, I threw my hands up and I said, oh, what the heck? I'll just do this thing for a year and see what happens. And it has been the most incredible gift. So anybody who's listening to this, if you're having those kinds of like full body resistance to something, I just really want to encourage you. I'm not telling you it means that you're supposed to do it, but I do want to encourage you to at least be open to investigate the possibility and try it on for a time, whether it's a week, six months, and and actually tell yourself how long you're going to try it on for. Um, If I had not told myself, I'm going to do this meditation podcast for a year. Now I did not say that I had to upload every week. I just said I was going to do it for a year. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that first year I was not consistent. But if I hadn't made that kind of long-term commitment, I would not be where I am now. And the podcast has been an amazing gift, both you know, to the world and to myself. I am just so blessed. <laughs> it's definitely been a gift to, you know, people like me who have really gotten, you know, a lot of value out of, out of each episode. And I'm also a big believer that, you know, things happen for a reason. They happen in perfect timing. Yes, and, they do. <laughs> you know, like 
maybe 10 years ago, you weren't ready for it. And, you know, I can pinpoint certain circumstances in my life where, you know, I was thinking, why the heck is this happening to me? And now hindsight, looking back, I'm like, yes, that is why that happened. Have you ever had a moment like that where you were able to reflect back and think, why the heck did I do that? Or why is this happening to me? And now you're looking at it like, that is exactly why. Yeah. Well, that we only get that through hindsight. That's why when people come to me and they're like, I need to know my purpose. I'm like, your purpose is whatever you choose to do in the next moment. Like until you're further along your path and look back, you won't really know. I think people who are actually living their purpose, they're not talking about how they're living their purpose. They're just doing it. Absolutely. (laughs) And, you know, for people like I have experienced trauma in my life. Um, There's so many people around me who have experienced trauma and I can't begin to tell you how helpful meditation has been for me, especially your meditation minis. Um, And, you know, it's almost like you're, you're coming face to face with your thoughts without, and, and you learn to observe your thoughts almost from a voyeur's perspective, as opposed to attaching that emotion to each thought and getting dragged into that vicious cycle. Um, How else do you think that meditation can help somebody who has gone through trauma or is going through trauma? Oh my gosh, so many different ways. I mean, the thing that you just, um, you landed on to begin with, I call that knee jerkery where something happens and you just have that knee jerk reaction, that feeling. Mm. Mm-hmm. And being able to create some separation between those feelings is a very powerful thing for somebody who's been through trauma to get a breath of space between the thought and then running with the feelings. The other thing that it can help with is, um, you know, once we have a situation that has caused some sort of physiology change in us, an adrenaline rush, you know, they, they talk about the heat of anger, mm-hmm. um, sadness, overwhelm. We have to some degree to ride out the biochemical reaction that has occurred, but we don't have to ramp it up. We don't have to add to the biochemistry by stepping into a short guided meditation or even remembering some imagery or some words or the feeling that you had from the one that you did last week. That can begin to really help you not only not amp it up, but begin to soothe any biochemical reactions that are happening. And, you know, if you've got adrenaline, that's going to have to actually run its course. But now you're not Mm. judging yourself about having it and adding to it all at once. Yeah, you're not piling it all on. It's, It's like you're almost breaking that cycle. And you're able to... You are breaking that cycle. Yeah, and you're you're also able to become aware of that cycle. Yes. As opposed to, you know, just why am I fit? You get so worked up and then you get into a certain circumstance in life where you're like, why am I feeling like this? Why am I not happy? Why do I feel this way? Why am I so negative? And when you can actually become aware of what your thoughts are really telling you, um, because at some point, if you think something enough, it's going to become your personal truth. And that's what I feel like just brings people down and being aware of that there's more power in that than you know going through life wondering 
playing the victim or wondering why you're feeling a certain way. Yeah. Well, the reason why we feel a certain way is because we keep running with the thoughts and feelings that make us feel that way. Yeah, exactly. So we're not responsible for the first feeling. We're not responsible for the first thought, but we are responsible for how long we choose to feed it. Absolutely. So, you know, there are so many studies out there that confirm, you know, 10 minutes or less of meditation is beneficial throughout the day and could be even longer. How do you, how long do you think that the perfect length of time do you prescribe for meditation? And why do you think that? The perfect length of time is whatever length of time you can and will fit into your day in the most consistent way possible. Mm. If that is literally just a minute every day, but you do it every single day, then that's the perfect amount of time for you. And perhaps after you've done it for a minute, you know, every day for three weeks, you'll decide, you know what, I'm going to do three minutes. Yeah. Sometimes it's taking a conscious breath in and out. I tell people, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, for I, one I, second. <laughs> yep, micro med- meditations where you just take that little micro moment and just go, <sighs> okay, we're resetting the system. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, my entire life revolves around an anti inflammatory approach to everything in my life. Um, and you know, uh, everyone's aware of how powerful or are beginning to become aware of how powerful meditation is towards, uh, reducing anxiety and things like that. But how do you feel, um, meditation sort of works towards inflammation in the body? Do you think that it has an anti-inflammatory effect on the body? Absolutely. Anytime you engage your relaxation response you're going to cause an anti-inflammatory effect in your body. When we go to eat food, um, just by taking three to 10 deep sighing breaths, that engages your parasympathetic response, which means you're going to actually process the food more efficiently and effectively just by doing that, which makes sense when you think about it, but we don't think about these things. So much of our modern lives are actually felt or lived in almost a state of hypnosis. You know, the TV is knee jerking us. Any, anything that causes you to just have a reaction without really thinking about it, that is a form of trance behavior. And this can be a powerful positive when we learn like to drive a car or play a sport or dance. You know, when we get in the flow, we get in the zone, those can be positive places where we can utilize that trance state. But so much of our lives are actually spent in a trance state with other people putting information in. The Mm. grocery stores are designed to make you want to buy all the crap that they pay so much money to make hyper palatable so that you can't stop eating it. Oh, absolutely. And you know, things like refined sugars are basically in everything. And if you're not reading labels correctly, then chances are you're consuming more refined sugars than you even know about. Absolutely. So anytime that we develop a meditation practice, a mindfulness practice, um, we begin to really take back control of our lives. We, we begin to dehypnotize ourselves from all of these outside 
what I call subfluencers. They're subconscious mind influencers. And we also have our own inner subfluencers, which you touched on earlier, that talk that we have in our head. And when I know for me, if all of a sudden I feel like really angry and grumpy, it's probably because I just did not notice all of the negative self-talk yes. that I had been running all day long, judgments about myself typically that I then turn outward and put on others as well. And that is a very powerful subconscious mind influencer that is negative. And it turns into your personal truth. And how do you think your personal truth ends up affecting our self-esteem, for instance. Well, yeah. I mean, if your personal truth is that I'm a piece of shit, yeah. you're not going to have self-esteem because you're going to act as though you're a piece of shit. We actually get, and I apologize, I don't, maybe now you have to be explicit with Mark on this. That's okay. We'll have more listeners. <laughs> I, I'm not edgy in the podcast, but in the real life, I, I do I love it. I love it. <laughs> My book that I'm coming out with will be a little edgier. Ah, I'm getting So it. yeah, I don't remember exactly where I was, but that made me laugh. So thank you. <laughs> um, how can somebody sort of, you know, turn that personal truth around so that they can build on their self-esteem. Thank you. You brought it right back around there. <laughs> so self-esteem, first of all, is something that we get by what we do. Self-esteem is not something that we can think or act our way into, or not, I'm sorry, think or feel our way into. Yeah. We get self-esteem by doing self-esteemable acts. But the things that we tell ourselves about who we be and what we deserve cause us to choose the actions. So if I believe that I am not worth eating good food or keeping my word to myself about when I'm getting out of bed in the morning or you know, keeping your word to yourself is probably like the first most powerful thing anybody can do Agreed. to build self-esteem. If I say that I'm going to the gym, then I need to keep my word to myself and go to the gym. I love the idea of telling myself I'm going to the gym, but not necessarily saying I'm going to work out because that gives me permission to actually keep my word to myself, to go to the gym, to check in and leave if I choose to. Mm -hmm. But I'm still building <laughs> self-esteem because I'm doing what I said I would do. Absolutely. That's a great strategy. <laughs> Use that next time. Most people know the hardest thing is actually getting to the gym. So oh, if you sure. just get there, then you're like, ah, I'm here. I can do like a 10 minute hit workout. I could do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and if you're there, you know, then it's sort of like, well, I'm already here. Why exactly. the heck, why the heck would I turn around and leave? But the whole part, that whole journey of getting there you know, there's so many times, sometimes when I don't feel like working out where I'm in the car and I'm thinking like, oh, there's a little too much traffic or there's this or there's that. I've got too many things on the go. Maybe I should just <laughs> turn around. I force myself to just go mm -hmm. because otherwise there's about a hundred thousand excuses that I can give to myself that'll make me turn around, come home. And then what do I have to sit, to show for that? other than I'm upset that I didn't go to the gym. Right. Now I'm in a bad mood. And, you know, yeah, because yeah. you didn't keep your word to yourself. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for, for women who 
are trying to live their most authentic lives and, you know, are trying to um, give themselves that time and instill or incorporate some self-care, how important do you feel that it is for them to sort of schedule that time in or set that time aside to actually make it an action as opposed to, you know, constantly spreading themselves too thin, never saying no. Um, and just how do you feel like they can just begin the process of incorporating a little more self-care, setting that time aside for themselves? Um, how do they start doing that, do you think? Mm. I think for me, one of the things that happened that really revolutionized how I look at what I choose to do is I finally just owned the fact that I'm lazy. And actually, it's human nature to be lazy. Mm -hmm. It is nature's way of conserving energy. Yes. And nature wants to conserve energy. So by just owning that piece of it, then everything begins to get easier because there's so much less harsh judgment about all the things I should be doing or shouldn't be doing. If I just say, okay, I'm lazy. So that means that I have to make this as easy as possible for me to accomplish, which means that I better pick a gym that's actually physically directly on the way home rather than having to drive a couple blocks off of my path. Mm -hmm. um, by picking the smaller grocery store to run into to get the couple of things when I'm starving that I really need that are going to be the easiest just to grab those couple of things at the little grocery store, even if the little grocery store might cost me like $4 more. Yeah to conserve my energy, to own that I'm lazy and to know that it's okay because that's actually how nature works. And once you get okay with it, you can harness it and it becomes super powerful. Oh, for sure. And, you know, and then you're not sort of, you're taking the guilt out of a lot of things too, I find. Mm -hmm. when, you, when you start to accept yourself as a person, then all of those guilty feelings, you know, when you stop giving a shit, that's when you stop feeling guilty for everything in your life, I find too. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, so that's great. Uh, my final, final, so that we can wrap things up and uh, I don't take too much of your time up. Final thing that I would love to talk about is you have an event called Radical Reset. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I did an event last year that was an emotional detox, and I wanted to do another one this year. Um, and I'm actually partnering with my very dear friend, Ron Kochevar, who um, I have known for almost 20 years at this point. Oh, that's a friendship. Yes. yes. <laughs> that's amazing. And um, I am super excited. We have uh, already spent several weekends hanging out together kind of getting the flow together. And it literally is a radical reset. It is a reset of your identity. It's giving you tools so that you can move through the process, not only in the weekend, but use it afterwards as well in order to break through limiting beliefs, the things that 
you know, we all know that there are things we should do and then we don't do them and we don't know why we keep digging in the same like wounds over and over again. Everybody's got something like that that they've been hanging on to. Well, maybe not everybody. Maybe the Dalai Lama doesn't. <laughs> I think the Dalai Lama still does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does say he has some anger issues sometimes. <laughs> we all have stuff going on. <laughs> So, and our, our vision of the event is it's, well, it, it's going to be very transformative. It's not a spa weekend. It's not like just come and relax. Um, you're going to be doing some serious work, uh, but we're removing all the dogma that we possibly can mm -hmm. so that you can have your more essential experience in an elemental way. Right removing that dogma, removing the, the negative self-talk yeah. um, and powering through to this beautiful ending where whatever you want to transform, you will get to transform. And then all those other things that you want to transform, you'll have the tools to do them afterwards oh, as well. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, we've both done this process with clients um, and it's the first time that we have really brought it together. And, uh, I'm, I'm really, really excited about it. Oh, that's amazing. And especially with a larger group, that would be fantastic. Just to, just to watch throughout the course, just to watch the transitions and even like the faces and just, just to see how you can virtually probably see people transform before your eyes. Oh, you do. Which is amazing. The one that I did last year, um, it was amazing standing in a circle afterwards. Every, well, not everybody was crying, but a lot of people were crying and looking at mm. each other and just like, I don't even recognize you. Like you look like a completely different oh. human being. Oh my gosh. you're purging. There, yes. There's definitely going to be some purging going on. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get that crap out so that you can rebuild and renew and refresh. Oh, that's great. Well, Shell, I want to thank you so much for coming on the Jennifer Z podcast. Um, you have about 12 million downloads of your meditation minis. I am one of them. <laughs> uh, I'm going to post all of your links and everything we talked about uh, in the show notes so that all of our listeners can find you because they must. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's been such an honor and a privilege to be here today and to chat with you. Amazing. Well, thank you again. The best way to spread the word about the amazing benefits of healthy living through plant-based food, fitness, and wellness is to share it with your friends and family. You can do this in person or through the various social media platforms out there. I'm so thankful for each and every like, share, and comment. And if you're looking for more food, fitness, and wellness inspos, please visit the JenniferZ.com website. Thank you so much for listening and supporting the Jennifer Z community. And until next time, stay happy, healthy, and plant-based.